Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Smith. No matter what goal you're working towards, I hope to show you that chasing health does not have to be a difficult or scary ordeal. Join me and my guests as we talk about all things related to becoming a best version of yourself, whether that's through nutrition, fitness, mindset, or life topics in general, we've got you covered. All right, let's not waste any more time and dive right into the show. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Chase and Health Podcast. Got a really exciting episode for you guys today, and I am joined with Chris, normal co-host, as well as the other Chris on the show today, Chris Heskett. Uh, welcome, Chris, to the show. Glad to have you. Thanks for having me on, Chase. Of course, man. So before we kind of dive in here, and I, I love the conversation we're going to have today and busting some myths and such. I feel like you guys ever watched the Mythbuster show back in the day? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I used to love that show. I'm just kind of like random thought pots on my head. I'm like, man, I miss that show. <laughs> but uh, before we dive into that, Chris, do you mind giving the listeners a little bit of an introduction about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, run a company called Peak Wellness Coaching. It's a online nutrition and fitness coaching company. And I've been in business for two years now. Um, before I did that thing, I was a in-person trainer for nine years, eight, nine years, something like that. So I was at the last job for seven years uh, where I helped kind of like build up a small boutique gym in the area. And then before that, I was at a small gym in South Carolina and worked there for about a year. So yeah, eight years as a personal trainer before going off and starting my own thing. Um, started that because, well, it's really hard to have a family and be in-person training uh, when you wake up before the kids get up and then you get home when the kids are already in bed. So uh, my boss, basically, he he had his first daughter before he started gym and he just looked at me and was like, dude, like, there's no way like you can do this and like be what the dad you want to be. So I think this is going to be the avenue you want to go because anything else I can offer you is just going to be like more hours in the gym with like split days and things and you're just gonna be exhausted so here here's my the opportunity for you i would recommend go take it i was like okay well this was like four months before um my first daughter was born and number two was just born um one month today so she's literally one month old thank you and uh he was like it's like four months so i was like out of a job like starting a new business four months before having a kid like my wife's like freaking out a little bit because she was like finishing up school she was transitioning between jobs because she's a nurse so she went from an lpn to rn so she literally like educated herself out of her position went to this (laughs) other awful job and that was like transitioning back to like her old job because that rn position opened up it was a chaos while pregnant, <laughs> while pregnant, by the way. So oh, it was absolute gosh. chaos back then. But here we are. Here we are two years later. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I know you're also a big fan of the outdoors and such. Is that right? Yes. Yep. So um, I did not. So I love hiking. I love hunting, fishing. Um, but I really got into hunting. And that's a lot of the clientele I work with. Is about a third of our clients are hunters. Um so I didn't grow up hunting. I grew up like around hunters. I grew up in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. So pretty rural. Literally everyone else except me hunted. I was the, <laughs> like the odd one out. And uh, but my wife, a um, couple years ago, she so she has a whole bunch of issues with her GI and she runs anemic. But mm-hmm. she had an eating disorder before we met. And she like messed up her digestive system. So she can't take like iron supplements or anything. And then one day... All of a sudden, she developed this allergy to beef, mm. and she like literally like throwing up. Not like, oh, I have like a gluten sensitivity, and you might get like a little bit of the runs or something. Like, no, yeah. like literally like throwing up. Oh wow! And it wasn't alpha gal, which we're hearing about now. So it was this is weird. Tried bison. She's like, that's fine. Except like she's a you know we're like early twenties and not making enough to like buy bison all the time. So yeah. her family's huge into hunting. Like her grandfather had this. Uh, state record for like black bear for uh, quite a while. I think it's massive. It's in my um, in-laws place. And nice. uh, so we tried Vincent because she, she grew up, liked it. She did fine. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to start hunting. And <laughs> uh, this is going to be how I provide for a family. And literally like um, when I shot my first deer, which was like last day, last hour rifle season. And Chris, do you, do you hunt? Um, I used to duck hunt. I grew up duck you, hunting. Okay. So, 
you know, when uh, nothing's coming in, you're like all the emotions. Like if you're not seeing anything, you're like, oh, I suck. I'm terrible. <laughs> like all those thoughts are going through your head that is like happen. So uh, like I processed it all myself. I'm like, this is going to be my new identity. Like totally like mid 20 year old, like this is me. This is who I am now. So yeah, that's like my huge hobby. If I'm not talking about fitness and nutrition, generally I'm either hiking or I'm hunting. Nice. Well, yeah, that's, that's super cool. It's funny when you're talking about like being the only guy who like didn't hunt. That was how it was for me. I grew up close to the West Virginia border. I live in Virginia. Oh, yeah. um, and all of my friends, family, my brother, like everybody all hunted all the time. And I love venison. Like I, I, I love eating the things that they would kill. But I was yep. just, I never really got into the hunting it myself. But um, definitely grew up ar- around it a lot, like you were saying. Yeah, it was never really like until like my wife really needed it. It was like one of those things like one day I will, one day I will. And then it was like, oh shit, no, this is something I'm doing. And then it was like, <laughs> okay, no, I'm addicted to it. Cause at first I was like, oh, I'm just going to deer hunt. Like only big game hunting. No, I do everything now. <laughs> Haven't been duck hunting yet. So I do want to do that. But literally like if I can do it, I'm getting out into the woods and I'm hunting it. You took me back to like the early 1900s there when you were talking about like, well, I just su- uh, survived with my family. So <laughs> I was I just, thinking uh, that too. I mean, I'm like, what is this, the early 1900s? It's awesome though. I love it. So I- yeah, yeah, but, uh, 80% of the red meat we eat now. So she no longer has that allergy really. However, we also don't eat a lot of beef either because 80% of the red meat we eat is now venison. So I'll get like um, three, four or five deer a year. And that's basically what that's all the red meat we eat for the year. Nice. That's super cool. Well, cool, man. Well, let's like dive into a little bit about, um, you know, obviously what the listeners are wanting to hear a little bit more about. <laughs> I'm sure we can talk about hunting and all the other things. We can right? talk we're, about that forever. For, yeah, exactly. But I'm sure they're like, all right, get, get to the point now. Where, where's like the dumbbells and the calorie stuff. <laughs> so, that's how you hunt down results. <laughs> that's right there we go i love it um so we were talking about like before this like but when we before we hit record i kind of like just going through like myth busting some of these different things about you know I, I feel like there's so much confusion and i feel like honestly that's why majority of our clients and i'm sure yours as well like just struggle all the time is because there's millions of different things out there that say will help you lose weight some make these huge promises some are legit and some are totally not legit so <laughs> yeah. i think it's important for us to kind of like break some of those down and um you know like so that we create a little bit of a list of like some of the most common things we hear we want to get your insight on it and we'll kind of talk a little bit about each of these but also if you hear or if you think of any others that you hear a lot of we'd love to hear those as well mm-hmm. um so the first one and this, this was actually a uh, chris brought the uh, chris Co-host Chris brought this up. I need two different names. <laughs> Call one of you guys, Christopher, or one of you, Chris. Um, uh, like my mom, Christopher. <laughs> um, so he brought up a good one about, we were talking about like, you know, how fats make you fat or carbs make you fat. And he brought up a good point about like, when did it go from fats make you fat to carbs make you fat, right? Because like, I feel like mm. years and years ago, Everything was low fat this, low fat that. You can't have fat in your diet. And now it's like, you know, they're saying, you know, oh, put butter and coconut oil into your coffee to lose weight. So, like, when did this switch happen? Do you guys know? Uh, It was like the, so we had like the South Beach and the Atkins diet that popped up and got popular. (laughs) And I don't remember, like, I was still pretty young at that point. So I don't remember exactly why those popped up. But then it was like shortly after that was paleo. and. I got actually got wrapped up in that and that just like vil- it didn't completely villainize carbs, but it was definitely like the human body technically doesn't need to eat these carbs. And if you eat too many, you release insulin and insulin's the bad guy. So don't eat carbs as like very simplified version of nutrition. And people just eat that up because ver- nobody like the average person doesn't want to study like biochemistry or human metabolism they're like just tell me what to eat and i'll eat it so this person's telling you like no you can eat whatever like eat a balance of diet do this this is why the fats up crap and bullshit and then this person over here is like eat carbs is bad that causes insulin insulin bad you don't lose weight hey i eat cookies and donuts i gain weight that's carbs right okay so carbs bad and you they also classify like those foods, cookies, cake, all that stuff, which is like 
if you look at the macro split, like the calories, it's like 50, 50 carbs and fat. It's not mm -hmm. carbs with like sweet potatoes and brown rice, like which exactly. are actual carbs. Like nobody gets overweight eating nothing but white rice with nothing added, a plain baked potato. Nobody gains weight with that. People gain weight when it's like loaded baked potatoes or French fries. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I always love, I heard somebody, I forget who it was, I think it was like a Jordan Syatt thing um, that said something along the lines of, I mean, people say like, oh, white rice and carbs are bad. And it's like, look at like the Japanese, you know, that are eating white rice every day, all day, basically. And they don't have as much of an obesity problem as we do. So it's like, all right, obviously that's not the thing that's making people overweight as well. And, and I love that you brought up a good point about I hear that all the time with like, you know, oh, I can't have cake. I can't have, you know, all these things, or all the baked goods. Yeah, because the the carbs are bad, and I'm like, well, it's carbs and sugar and fats, and like, I mean, obviously sugars are carbs, but it's that combination that makes it highly palatable, that makes it easier to overeat, versus try to eat like eight boiled potatoes, right? Like, like <laughs> literally nothing on them, you know, not not the loaded style, but just eight potatoes, which is probably the size that would be in like a big family size bag of chips mm -hmm. that somebody could put down no problem. Eight potatoes probably be pretty tough to do yeah you're not doing that there's no <laughs> unless you're in like a food challenge and you're trying to prove a point like you're not doing like people overeat like they'll i'll work with female clients they're like oh i can't eat more than like 1800 calories and it's like chicken and broccoli and rice it's like no you ate 3000 calories because you ate an entire large pizza i know you can get the calories in Yep. It's just these foods are more filling. Like if you eat plain chicken and boiled potatoes, like you eat, give you a pound of boiled potatoes, pound of chicken, like you're not finishing it. Like you're going to be full before you even like clear out the plate. I give you a large pizza. It's like I can give like a 115 pound woman who's five two that and she'll finish the whole thing because <laughs> it's so hyper palatable. Like your body just wants more and more and more and more, especially if you include alcohol in the mix. And it's like, oh, there's 4,000 calories. Mm -hmm. I have this thought actually a lot of it's marketing because um, this where I came up with this question was I remember Subway like they had like you know huge stickers mm. like low fat right and now everything they have like keto breads now and <laughs> keto wraps at Subway and I'm like it's really marketing like what what do the consumers want what do they want and it was at that point it was low fats kind of stuff because that was the the cause of their weight gain problems quote unquote um, and then now it's now it's carbs so now they're marketing low carb kind of things. Um, I think that's probably like where the switch went. It was just, but in the nutrition space, I'm like, where did that happen? Like, where did that switch from fats are bad to carbs are bad now? Well, it was never the nutrition space. It was the, uh, the business space. I yeah. was say, but I feel like the nutrition space almost, unfortunately, because there are so many people that are uneducated in this space, which is it's a whole different story. Um, I think that they just go along with whatever the media says. And it's also, True. again, it's more marketing. You know, some coaches yeah. would rather say like, hey, I'm going to put you on this you know, ketogenic diet or hey, I'm going to put you on this low fat diet. And the client or the, you know, the prospective client sees that in the media. They say, oh, yeah, carbs are bad. And this coach takes a low carb approach. Done deal. Got it. Let's do this. Versus we all know. That's not what it takes. No. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with like ketogenic diet for certain populations. Like for it's sure. there for certain populations and it works really well. There's nothing wrong with low carb. There's nothing low, wrong with low fat. Like I have clients who are lower fat. I have clients who are high fat. It just depends on preference and what works best for them. And I view all of these things as like, I, Lane Norton says it the best, like tools and tool belt. Like mm -hmm. keto might be a hammer. So if you're a coach who's uneducated, every problem looks like a nail versus someone who's like, okay, for this client, these are a bunch of screws. No matter how hard I hammer it, it's not going to go in unless I break the entire system. Like if you try to hammer a screw into a wooden board, you're going to like break it in half. Or it's like, you need a nail gun for this. Like you probably don't want to hammer. So that's like other diets, intermittent fasting, or just like macro tracking or portion control. Like all these things have a time and a place and it just depends on the person. It does, but everyone just thinks like, oh, I have tried this. It didn't work. This is a new shiny thing. And then people, unethical coaches and uneducated coaches, unethical ones just out there for money. Like I'm going to jump <laughs> on this because this is the thing to make me a bunch of money. And then coaches who just aren't educated 
jump on and they're like, this is how I lost weight. And they see everything like if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So this is the solution. And I, you know, early on in my coaching career, I was guilty of that where I tried more like intermittent fasting and higher carb approach with everyone. And it doesn't work with everyone. You have to look at the client, figure out what works best for them and how their body responds best. And it's not this nice little neat package you can do in like a 20 second, like Instagram or TikTok reel super quick. Like you can't do it because it's so nuanced. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and one thing you actually brought up next that, um, that I want to kind of go over to the next thing is earlier you were talking about brown rice and I mentioned white rice. And I feel like that's another thing that's gets tossed around as well. It's like, <laughs> like whole grain versus like white bread versus wheat bread and that, that whole conversation and things like that. Like, and Kristen, that's something you brought up before that we hit record here as well. Where do you see that conversation come up? Cause I know you said, you said some of your clients have mentioned that in the past as well. So like the brown rice versus white rice thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I haven't touched brown rice in probably 10 years. Um, <laughs> uh, I only eat white rice. So, the way I view most carbs in people's diet is most of your nutrition isn't coming from carb sources, like your vitamins, minerals, things like that. Um, maybe potatoes and some starches and fruits. But when it comes to like your grains, like they're going to supply a little bit of your nutrition, but most of your vitamins, minerals, fiber is going to come from your actual vegetables or going to be like meat, um, your protein sources. That so. If someone's like worried about brown rice versus white rice, like it's not that big of a deal. Like white rice cooks faster. Like if you're limited on time, like cook faster. Cause if you compare them side by side, they're not all that different. Brown rice has like an extra like gram of fiber. Like whoop de doo. Yeah. Like a few more vitamins and minerals. Like <laughs> whoop de freaking do. Like you, that's like just, uh, you're focusing on minor things. Um, it's stepping over the dollar to pick up pennies. Like yep. it's not that important. You like white rice better? Do it. I personally don't have the time. I have two young kids. I don't have the time to sit around and make brown rice for 45 minutes. I can make white rice in like 15. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I think it all, again, it all comes down to preference. Like, what do you enjoy? Like, yeah. don't, don't get caught up in the little things, the little tiny details. Like none of that really matters. And it's all going to come back down to calorie control, which is one thing I guess we really didn't touch on a lot. in the very, the first question was like, I did want to mention like, I feel like where a lot of people get caught up on like, you know, fats versus carbs, like what's good, what's bad. It's like, I mean, like a lot of our clients, they only track calories and protein. Like yeah. Most of our clients are not even tracking all three macronutrients just because it's just, I, I like to compare it like the Tetris, right? Like you're like, why make it harder on yourself and trying to play Tetris with all three macronutrients when you could just play with the two, you know, hit your minimum protein for the day, get your calories in and let your carbs and fat ratio fall where they are. Yeah. I mean, we have the research studies to back up that when calories and protein are the same, you take a low carb diet and a low fat diet, but calories and protein are the same. Weight loss is the same. Mm -hmm. You lose the same amount of weight. So it doesn't matter. Um, same thing. Most of my clients, protein and calories, that's all that matters for weight loss. Now, if they have performance goals, um, they have some other goals that we're chasing, then maybe we do need to make sure that you're getting enough carbs in. We need to make sure that you're getting enough fat in, but those are going to be a little bit more like higher level clients. They're not going to be someone just starting out. Like, I just want to lose weight. I don't know where to start. Help me. Yeah. Okay. We're going to start portion control. We're just going to track calories and protein. That's yep. where you're going to start. And then in six months, once you have this thing down pat, awesome. Now we're going to get more specific because now you're like, I want to run a 10 K on the, in addition to trying to lose weight. And some days I feel like garbage. Okay. Those days you ate really high fat and low carb. Yeah. You're going to feel like garbage with your training. So we need to make sure your carb intake's high enough to support your goals. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add to that, Chris? No, I, I love that analogy you used about like the, the calories and the protein and those two line up. That's exactly like our mindset there. And it's almost like, can we just bring this to market? Like, can we like, like keto and how intermittent fasting is just completely blown up and have, you know, 300,000 group members. It's like, can we just bring this to market where we're just tracking calories and protein? And this is the next biggest fad because it really is that easy. It is. It is for 99% of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's sure. all you need to do. Yep. And if you just did that and you removed the human element out of it, which is like what goes on between your ears, 
everyone would have amazing results. But <laughs> that human element that messes everything up. But it's not shiny like, enough. We got to make it shiny. So, you know, no, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the marketing scheme would be. <laughs> oh, man. You'd have to put some fancy name to it. I, I know. Uh, um, I, I don't know what that fancy name would be. <laughs> well, uh, before I keep going on my list, um, anything that either of you all are thinking about, like as far as like things that you either see your clients or people that you, know, you talk to on the day to day, like what are some of the common myths that you hear that you have to like, you feel like you're always trying to like, break down those myths? I just had a client call yesterday to go over this. I wouldn't say it's a myth, but it's a mindset shift you have to have. And it's like the what about mindset. And it's someone wanting to get start get started, but they're like worried about what about X, Y, and Z in like six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks away. Like, what what do you mean? And so she was having anxiety. She's like, oh, I don't know. Like, so she she's a professor and she's like, man, you know, once I go back to school, like, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this program, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we change it to fit your schedule. She's like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, this is like your program now to get started. But then once that shows up, we change it. But a lot of people view like health and nutrition, this very like rigid carved in stone type thing of like, here are your calories, never adjust it. Here's your protein goal and your macros, never adjust it. Workouts have to be one hour, six days a week, or it's not worth it at all. <laughs> and which we know is false. Like you can get amazing results with two days a week, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's that, what about like looking into the future and not having like, also like a set, like what if like my car broke down and I can't get to the gym? What has that happened? No, but what if it does? <laughs> So it's just this mindset you have to like get over and just like get started now. That's holding you back. Start now and then make adjustments along the way because your plan that you started with, it's not the one you're going to finish the program with. Yeah, that's definitely I, I love that you brought that up. And I feel like I, I know a lot of clients that kind of think that same way of like, you know, always expecting the worst. And I'm like, like, I, I don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a big proponent of like planning ahead and like trying to plan for those things to come up. Yeah. And what would you do in that? You know, I, I run through an exercise with a lot of clients that if then scenario, right? Like if X happens, then you're going to do Y. And we'll run through some of that to kind of give them some peace of mind of like not worrying about all the unknown and how to respond to those things. But you bring up a very good point about we can't dwell on that because if we're always focused on the negative, we all know the more you focus on it, the more it grows. And so we're just going to pretty much create that problem ourselves. And it's a fake problem. It's not, it's not based in reality. It's like just ruminating thoughts in your head of like, oh my God, I'm so worried. It's like that conversation that you wish you had that comeback for like two years ago and you're in the shower and pops up and you're like, oh, I'm cringing. <laughs> <laughs> it's that. And you're just ruminating on that thought. It's, no, we'll adjust later down the road if that happens. But everyone always fo focuses. I love what you said. It's like, I always say like, we'll plan for the worst, but hope for the best. So we'll follow. And if everything goes according to plan, then we don't need to make any adjustments. But if something pops up, we have a plan for that. Like we're going to go plan B. And if there's something else that pops up, we'll make a plan for that. We'll just keep adjusting if you're like, oh, so you just make it work for my lifestyle in the current moment. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's I like what you were saying with the tool belt, you know, you have yeah. those tools in the, in the tool belt stashed away for when that moment comes, you can bring that tool out. Like we, you know, we kind of use a similar analogy there and I think it's exactly right. And then like with people wanting to get started, I always bring up like, well, what's the alternative? Like, what if you don't get started? What's going to happen? Yeah, that's then, good. Point. Right. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you're not going to see results if you don't get started. So you're just going to continue to be unhappy and low right. energy levels, low self-confidence levels. Like I wish I could start just which, fucking get started. Which pain is worse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just blanked on what I wanted to say. You're good. Oh, I, I, I remember what it was. So the other thing I'll do with clients is um, we'll look at like their year, like they're trying to set a goal and we'll map out like what a year looks like. Like, Hey, when can you realistically like really focus on these goals? Like right now you're struggling. Like, well, it's summer and you're on vacation every other week. Why, why do we have a weight loss goal? So I have a client like that. She's in Canada and like every other week she's going on vacation. So we set, instead of focusing on just like weight loss, we focused on like building all these other habits. 
So then when vacation season's done, we just double down on weight loss. And she's losing weight is just slower than she wants because she's going out and partying. It's like she's on a boat all weekend, right? Friday through Sunday. And then she comes back to work. So we we just map that out. And then come the holiday. So just like look at your year and when can you realistically like really double down on like specific goals and then other times of the year make other goals like if it's not realistic to lose weight work on just like working on your like workout habit you struggle with being consistent four days a week like work on being consistent four days a week maybe focus on building muscle or some athletic goals like you've always wanted to run a 5k maybe work on endurance during the holidays where you have a bunch of holiday cookies to fuel you <laughs> and then yeah. once the holidays pass, we can double down weight loss. Yeah. I, I always tell my clients too, I'm like, you know, it's kind of feed off what you brought up earlier about just the what if scenarios. I always tell them too, I'm like, this is the joy of you're working with me one-on-one, right? Like, yeah, I, I like to say like, just do what we're, what we're planning to do. If that comes up, then I will help you through that. But there's yep. no point in us like going through all the worst case scenarios right now because none of that may even happen. But I already have in the back of my head. There's no need for me. It's like it basically be like me like having all the information from the dictionary and basically throwing the dictionary at you in the very beginning. And it's like you only need the first word off the first page right now. And but now you're trying to read through the entire dictionary. Like just deal with the first page, and then if page 565 pops up, then I'll pull it out and. We'll help you through it, right? Like, let's just like yep. make this as easy as we can on you. Don't overthink all those scenarios because, yes, they very well could happen, but we'll adapt them if they do come up. Exactly. It, <laughs> it pe- people will ask me like again, it's going over the scenarios. Like, what if this scenario is like this is the plan for that? This is the plan. Like, if I go over all of it, I'm going to overwhelm you today. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I do get overwhelmed really easily. Like, yeah. So why are we focusing on that? Just do this. And like you said, in my ch- weekly check-ins, it's there's a question like anything coming up, anything mm-hmm. coming up, anything. Co- so that you put that in there and you let me know, and I will help you through it, or we'll jump on a one-to-one call and we will walk through your entire trip or whatever you're going through, one by one, and you will feel very confident with the plan moving forward after that call. Yeah. I always love on the very first call, like the onboarding call. Um, sometimes like, you know, we'll, we'll go through everything. I'll gather all the information. And in my head, I'm like, all right, I have like 50 things I want to start working on with them. But I'm like, all right, so I went to you this week just to track and go ahead and like to start to get protein with every meal. And they're like, well, what what about like journaling? What about uh, going for walks? What about working out? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to get there. But like, I'm not going to give you 50 tasks this week. Like, I want you to do these two things and then I promise we'll get there. But they think like, it, again, it goes back to even like tying in that all or nothing mentality. They think, oh, I've started my journey, quote unquote. So it's like everything needs to be happening all at once. And it's like, no, that's why you're that's why you're at where you are today, because you've been doing everything all at once in the past. Now it's time to take these little baby steps. They're going to get you to the top of the mountain eventually. Yes. So I, because I, I'm into that doors, I paint like my client journey as like climbing a mountain. And mm-hmm. first phase, it's like, here are the things you're going to just focus on. So there's like four habits, which are not original whatsoever. Every single qualified coach has them. It's movement each day, walking, workout, doesn't matter in phase one. Stay hydrated, get good sleep, and eat protein at each meal. Like super original, right? But it's like the before we even talk, like tracking all of your macros and we're talking about like other like nutrition strategies, intermittent fasting or keto or whatever approach you want to go, you got to get that stuff down first. So people come in and it's like, yeah, you're going to work on the core four before we can get any of this other stuff. Like this is your foundation. I say it's, that's like base camp. Like we're preparing to climb the mountain towards your goal at the top of the mountain. Most programs just like tell you to like go off running. It's like, have you ever climbed a mountain? No. Okay. Like just like walk that direction <laughs> up towards the top. Um, don't I get a map? No. Here's one bottle of water. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> probably not get, being successful. So it's like, let's make sure like everything's packed. And that's like your habits because what happens is even with the best intentions, those what about scenarios, they do hap- seem to come up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So even with the best intentions, you're in phase two and we're getting like really dialed in. You're getting amazing results. And then 
something happens. Life throws that curveball at you. And if you don't build those habits first, that's where you fall off track. But if you build the habits, you lay that foundation, you just fall back to those things. And it's like, you just kind of like coast or you continue to get results, but it's just slower. And as soon as whatever that speed bump is passes, you just go right back versus like falling off. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm unmotivated. I gained all my weight back. I know I need to get started. And then it's like six months later to get started. It's like, nope, you just like bounce right back to it. Yeah, for sure. I love one of um, our assistant coaches, Coach Nate always talks about how like a lot of people look at it as like you're falling off track and you have to like start it all at the very beginning again. And it's like, no, just step back right on the path. Like you fell yep. off track. Great. Take one step back on the path and keep going. Yep. You don't have to start over. Exactly. If you've been starting, like you've built these habits and skills, like tracking macros is a skill. Mm -hmm. You've built this. It's not like it's going to go away tomorrow. If you fell off for three weeks, you know, getting back on track, you're like, oh, I eat oatmeal each day. I know roughly about the serving size I need to eat to hit my goal for breakfast. Mm -hmm. It's not like starting from scratch where you're like, I have no idea what I'm eating or what's in these foods. Yep, exactly. Anything to add to that, Chris? No, I love that. That's, uh, I think we have a very similar approach, Chris. And um, I like the core four. I love that. We, you know, building that strong foundation and one thing I think we do really well is just make them earn it, right? Like make mm -hmm. them earn that next step. Yep. Like get good with these simple four core habits before I throw in another one. Um, I think I love that approach. Yeah. And a lot of times people come in and they don't want to track macros. It's like, great, you're not. So here we go. And then it's like six weeks later, they're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm, yeah. I'm ready for that next step. And it's way more empowering to do that because you're like, okay, you know, you're, this is going to take more work. You have more responsibility now. Like this is seven days a week. You have to do this thing, right? I'm ready for it. Awesome. Let's go. Yeah. But I feel like people, and I love that you brought that up because I've seen that before too. Like they're so against it. And I'm like, all right, like we don't, like one, like we don't have to, like, and Chris says it all the time um, about, you know, like we never want a client not to be able to get to where they want to get to without having to track. Like if they don't want to track, like, all right, let's figure out a different way. But I always explain to the client, I'm just like, we are going to be leaving a little bit of our results up to chance, right? Like mm -hmm. we, like, I just, I'm very upfront with them. Like we don't have to track, but we're not going to know exactly where we're at. Right. It's just like, you know, we have some clients that don't track their progress, like whether it's like weight or measurements or photos. And I'm like, we could be going in the complete opposite direction right now and gaining weight, gaining inches. And we have no clue. So like we have to have this information. At some point, you have to have that objective data to you could you can't just go like, oh, yeah, I'm eating good. And yeah, my clothes fit better. Like, are they, though? Like, you know, what objective data do we have to show that you're actually making progress forward? Yeah. So macros. I always view it. That's the fastest, most efficient way to get to whatever no matter what your goal is, build muscle, athletic performance, weight loss, mm -hmm. tracking your macros. If not, something's not working, you can go in with surgical precision and change it. Like, okay, we're not losing weight, drop calories 10%. We're going to pull this many carbs, go next week. Okay, 14 days later, did you get results? Yes, no, yes, awesome, keep going. No, okay, another adjustment. It is literally like that simple. You just have to track. But if you don't have the mental capacity, causes you anxiety. I have had some clients where they come in and they have a history of like some disordered eating patterns and tracking macros tends to flare those up. So it's like, okay, no, we're going to, this is going to be slower. We're going to do like portion control, but you're like eyeballing things. And generally as a human, we like to overeat. So <laughs> is that really four ounces of protein or is it five ounces? And you're saying it's four ounces. Is it really a half a cup of carbs that you measured with like a cup handful or is that three quarters of a cup of carbs? So yeah, you're leaving it to chance a little bit. You can adjust like, are you doing two palm sized portions of protein? Okay. Maybe we need to add more, or reduce that a little bit but it's not as precise. So you're going to get slower results. Less, you know, it's easier to track. You just like at each meal, I just eat this kind of thing. Or I use like the plate method of like half my mm -hmm. plate is this, a quarter is carb, quarter protein, but every plate's different. I've seen some massive plates out there. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, a quarter of my plate is protein. And you're like, that's a 16 ounce steak on there. What size plate do you have? 
Exactly. Um, no, I, I had a client. I had to like, she, she was, she was tracking, but, and again, and I'm not like talking down to her like this. And I told her like, it would work. It's again, it's, it's not accurate. She was tracking, but like, she would put like, you know, in the tracker, like T-bone steak. And like, that was it. Like not, not weighed out or anything like that. And I'm like, all right, like, I, I appreciate you tracking. Like we're, we're heading in the right direction, but uh, you know, one T-bone steak could be four ounces and the next one could be the 16 ounce T-bone steak. So like, yeah, completely different here when it comes to calories. So yeah, I think it's just important to have the more awareness you create, the more accuracy you're going to have basically. I will say one, so a little bit funny and this client has uh, publicly made this known. So um, I've had two clients with issues when tracking. It's only as accurate as your food scale. So I had one client um, weighing everything like teeter tottered on their counter and everything was inaccurate. And I had another client not realizing that they had a scale that did fluid ounces. So they're trying to weigh in ounces and everything was fluid ounces. Again, everything was inaccurate. It was close. That one was close, but still, and I'm like, why aren't you losing weight? I'm like, I adjust. You should absolutely be losing weight. I'm like, mm-hmm. you're doing 10,000 steps. You're working out multiple days a week. And his calorie deficit was supposed to be like 2,200 calories. We're at like 1,900. I'm like, what is going Oh, <laughs> we're going to go back to your original macros because uh, yeah. you just like weighed in that. So just do make sure that whatever you use is accurate for your measurements. Yep, for sure. What about kind of moving on to another myth here? What about soreness and sweating equating to a good workout? No correlation. <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that. Um, soreness is just like you get sore when you don't do something right. So I'm sore because I'm holding my newborn who's colicky for <laughs> multiple hours a day. And I am in a bicep curl, like a static bicep curl. Like my upper back and traps are so stiff right now from like <laughs> holding this colicky baby like this all day long. Um, does not equate to like me getting like jacked traps and biceps. Um, it's just you doing something new or you're doing too much. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people be like, oh, I'm not sore. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. And it's like, you might not be able to recover from that, especially if you're trying to lose weight and your capacity for recovery is diminished due to less food, less like mm-hmm. building blocks in your body. You can't recover from as many intense workouts per week. So if you're doing that, especially if you're like a 40 year old mom who I work with a bunch, um, if you're like 16 and doing that, you can get away with it. But if you're 40, like, yeah, no, you're not going to be able to get away with like doing six days a week of hit workouts. And then like, oh, I'm not sore. I'm just going to go even more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sweating, literally, like some people sweat more than others. If you like it, it's like some people feel motivated by that. Like, cool. As long as it's like not a, like you're not getting dehydrated, like awesome. But it doesn't mean you got a good workout. Mm-hmm. I, uh... I, I'm a heavy sweater. So I'm like, <laughs> it's kind of annoying sometimes, especially now that I'm bald. <laughs> it's really annoying to be a heavy sweater. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've had clients where they like drip sweat and others like, I'm like, I, so the gym I used to work at, it was a garage gym. So mm. like middle of summer in Pennsylvania, it's swampy here and it'd be like 105 in the gym. And I would have a client do like cardio workout and it's like two drips of sweat and they're busting their butt, like not slacking, like they're legit working out. And it's like, they're like, I just don't sweat. Like, I don't understand. Like I'm here standing <laughs> and I'm soaked. Yeah, I, I uh I had a new client a few months ago. Um it was so funny and I'm sure she wouldn't mind me sharing this but uh I won't name her name, but she um she came to me doing I think she was like doing beach body workouts or something like that, like a lot of hit style workouts and things like that and um and at first she was like, you know, I really enjoy, you know, being really sweaty at the end of my workout. Like I feel like I have a really great workout. And I gave her a workout and she was just like, I just don't feel like I'm working hard enough. And so it was, it was funny. So first, like just to appease her, I was like, all right. So I put a couple like little finishers in there, like a little bit of cardio things at the end, just, yeah. just to get the heart rate up, make her sweat a little bit. And, and then, um, but then as we started working her weights up on the, the main workout that I actually cared about, she was just like, I don't want to do these extra cardio things at the end. I'm like, good. Awesome. I'll take those off now. <laughs> now keep lifting heavier. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yes. Yeah. I do the same trick with some people. <laughs> So like, you have to just give them what they want until they see what they need. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because um, there's a coach years ago. I forget which coach it was, um, but it was like 
back when I was like reading T Nation all the time, T Nation articles back in college. So he was like, you can either work out for fun or you can work out for results. What do you want? Ooh, um, so I if like you're that. working out for results, like if we're chasing a fat loss or an athletic goal or building muscle, we need to do work. And those workouts can be fun, but they need to have a purpose. If you just want to work out for fun, great. Just realize that you might not get any results because you're just going to do what's fun. And generally, that's not what you need. For example, I hate front squats. Why? Because generally, I've neglected my quads. <laughs> Guess what's in my program right now? It's going to be front squats. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Despise front squats. But you're going to avoid things you don't want to do. So if you're just working out, like I feel like Beachbody is a great workout. It's like, cause you're like a cardio buddy. You just want to mm -hmm. do cardio and get the heart rate up or someone who's like, you know, more my background where it's like bodybuilding and powerlifting. And then I'm getting ready for like hunting season. And now I have to do cardio. I'm like, I don't want to do cardio. I want to do like three reps and call it a day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was yeah. that guy that never sweat as well. Um, like we would go on like a five mile run and I'd come back and like people's are literally sweating through their shirts. And I, they're like, look at me and I'm like, not even sweating. Like I was just that guy. Um, but it's so funny though, like people's pers perspective of this with sweating and having a good workout. I was in a sauna, uh, maybe like three, four months ago. And I was like, just asking this guy, I was like, what, what do you come in here for? Like, what is it, the benefits? And he was like, Oh, I want to lose weight. And he's sweat. And I was just yeah. like, that's like literally a, a myth from like 1970, you know, right. like, you know, so I was like, well, as soon as you leave here and drink a 20 ounce, you know, thing of water, you're going to gain that weight right back. But it's just kind of crazy going back to the whole myth, you know, myth busters. That's literally people's pers uh, perspective around this, you know, sweating and working out. Well, mm -hmm. this goes, so obviously I have, you know, two young kids now. So getting a lot of input from the grandparents, my side and my wife's side, and there's, you know, this relates, so this will relate to nutrition. Um, so they're telling us stuff that their pediatrician, I'm 33, uh, from like 33 years ago has told them, um, and that my wife's a little bit older than me. So it's like, um, they'll tell us one thing and we're like, no. And they're like, well, we didn't do that with you as kids. Like, no, like in those 30 years, there's been a lot of research and it shows like, this is really bad for a baby. Same thing. Most people have not educated themselves with nutrition since high school or if you went to college and had a nutrition class. But it's like you had like nutrition, like basic, basic food pyramid. Here, here's your grains. Here's your protein. Here's this type of nutrition class in high school. That's it for like one hour for like maybe like 12 weeks, like 12 hours in nutrition education. Like that's not much. And then any other education is like shiny object syndrome of like, I listened to this podcast that told me that keto was really good, or I read this online, or mm -hmm. my aunt Karen took, lost weight with this diet, so I'm doing it. Like, that's your nutrition education, not like actual like research or a real education. It's random bullshit mm -hmm. that's out there on the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, let's. Um, I have a couple more written down here, and we'll kind of go through these. Not necessarily rapid fire, but I want to make sure we have enough time to cover a couple more of these yep. that we had written down here as well. Um, eating late at night mm, um, won't affect your fat loss goals um, as long as your calories are the same. So <laughs> if you your goal is 2,000 calories per day and you eat all 2,000 calories spread evenly throughout or you eat you know 1,800 and then have a 200-calorie snack late at night – not a big deal. Um, now where it can become a little bit of an issue is if it affects your sleep quality. So yes. some people will, um, have issues with eating right before bed. So you do want to eat, try it like an hour before bed. And I'm a late night snack person. So, um, try to limit like right before bed, um, because de you know, getting disrupted sleep can lead to issues with not necessarily directly related to fat loss short term, but then your energy levels are lower, your cravings go up, your willpower is down the next day. And you do that multiple days in a row, all of a sudden, like by Friday, like you can't be like, mm, no, I'm not, not skipping the brownies in the break room anymore. I'm diving in, but then you dive <laughs> in like all, like I can't stop myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest delineation here is like understanding that like, 
200 calorie brownie is the same whether it's 7 30 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night you know it's not like you know 801 oh my gosh now everything's 500 calories more than it should be um i definitely have heard that in the past like people are like oh it's just bad for me to get late i'm like well like if it's not affecting your sleep then yeah. you're probably okay <laughs> another like, way i like it. to look at so i'll get people like i try not to eat after six but then they'll go to bed at like 11 like so the you eat breakfast and then a few hours later you eat lunch then you have a mm-hmm. snack and then a few hours later like you eat dinner and then you want to go from six to eleven five hours without eating when e- the rest of the day you've been going like maybe four hours maybe great point more like two three hours sometimes does that make sense and that they're like when you break it down like that like no that doesn't i was like cool what time do you generally get craving or get hungry at night Eight thirty. You go to bed at 11? Yes. Okay. Just plan for a snack at 830. Oh, mm-hmm. that makes more sense. Yeah. Awesome. What about all these things that's, you know, like fat burning foods, fat burning workouts, fat burning supplements that, you know, I feel like that's <laughs> every, you know, again, I think a lot of this goes back to marketing, of course, but like everything's just labeled with like fat burning. It's like, like, is there anything such thing as a fat burning food or a fat burning workout or a fat burning supplement? Um, I mean, if you take enough stimulants for a supplement, it'll enhance fat burning. But (laughs) so I literally, I put up a a thing about this yesterday on my Facebook and my threads accounts. There is no magic pill. If there was an actual supplement that really worked for fat loss, we would all be using it. Like I guarantee you that you guys would be using it. I would be using with clients if there was like no negative side effects, like, Yes, this causes people to lose weight. Somebody's going to be a billionaire using this. Mm-hmm. We're not. Why? Because it doesn't exist. Yes, you, um, <laughs> some fat burners can help, but I view those as like the last 1%. Like I'm working with a natural bodybuilder and they're yes. trying to get super lean. It's that last little bit of body fat. That's where a fat burner comes in handy. If you're a mom and you have like 30 plus pounds to lose and like you're 45, it's not going to, you're just going to like cause your adrenals to skyrocket because there's so many stimulants in it. It's not going to help you. Uh, it's going to yeah. be, you know, 70 bucks a month you're wasting. Yeah. In and terms I think of food just, and workouts. No. Yeah. And I think it's just important to realize like it's what's the difference between like fat burning versus fat loss too. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people get caught up in like the, that terminology where it's like, okay, maybe you're burning fats because you're eating more fats. Okay. Like your body's using fats to, to, you know, you're, of course you're going to be using that as energy, but that doesn't mean you're actually losing body fat. You're just burning fats, right? So I think that's important delineation there too. This is a thing with keto is, yes, you become an efficient fat burner and you're a fat burning machine. The other issue is you become really efficient at storing fat because that's the primary fuel source of your body. So you eat fat. Guess what? Your body's going to store fat. If you burn car, like eat a lot of carbs, your body stores it as not necessarily fat. If you have the reserves, your body's really lazy. It would rather store it as glycogen, which is not fat. Mm-hmm. So you just get stored as that. It would rather like not convert it into body fat. Yeah. Awesome. Any other scripts that you had in mind that you want to throw out there before we start kind of wrapping things up a little bit? Um, most of them. I love the whole like eating before sleep. I was going to touch base a little bit on that one. I feel like you know, a lot of people, they cut off because I do think obviously like if I have Chinese food and drink a beer at 9 PM, like it doesn't affect my fat loss, but it does affect the scale the next morning. Oh, right. Absolutely. Like, and that's what I think yeah. a lot of people look at because they look, they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm losing weight. If I cut off at six, because they are, you know, fasting their bodies, probably digested everything and then they go to sleep so they wake up the scale is down and they reference that that's what they look at whereas compared to eating you know even honestly like a cookie their calories still line up they're still in a deficit but they wake up and that scale is still spiked because they just had a cookie at 10 p.m before they went to sleep and i think they look at that and that's where they determine like oh i'm down in the scale if i stop eating at 6 8 uh, 6 p.m so or the, the scale has gone down because I, I fasted all morning and I weighed in at 1 p.m. and I didn't eat, <laughs> right? Like they look at that kind of thing when it's like, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, I use the reference of like money, right? Like it, there's no difference if I have $2,000 and I spend $2,000 um, in the after 1 p.m. or if I spend 
$2,000 and I started at 7 a.m., at the end of the day, I don't have it. It's the same thing. Yes. You expend all of it regardless. Yep. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, Chris, as we're starting to come to a close here, um, I always like to squeeze in one last question here for all of my guests. And that is, if someone's listening to this, and they're like, all right, like I'm not falling for these myths anymore. I'm ready to get started. What are the first two things that they should be looking at to get started on their journey today? Um, so first is just taking like imperfect action, like just take action. And where I like to tell people is that core four I mentioned before of nothing crazy, but eat protein at each meal. If you're not doing that, start doing that. Are you getting seven to nine hours of sleep per night? Are you drinking like half your body weight in ounces of water per day? Um, are you getting some sort of movement in on a daily basis, whether it's workouts, which I don't recommend working out every day or getting your steps in. So aim for like a minimum of 7,000 steps per day. It doesn't need to be 10 K goal, but start there. If you're intimidated with the gym, just start with walking, start with two of those four. So I never recommend more than two habits at one time. Pick the two, pick the two easiest ones for you to do. And just realize that when you're doing those two, you're probably going to work on the other ones, like on the back burner anyways, and just start there. Take imperfect action. Start today. Like if you're listening to the podcast, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to drink more water. There you go. That's it. That's how you get started. And then you just have that snowball over time over the next few weeks. Nice. Awesome, man. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's show. This has been a really good episode. I'm really excited to get this one out to everybody. Um, Where can people connect with you? And, you know, if anything else you want to plug here for everybody. Yeah. So I don't have like anything major to plug right now. Um, We're not really running anything, but you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Chris underscore PWC. Um, I'm on Facebook at just Chris Heskett. You can send me a friend request there or just follow me. Um, And then I have my own podcast called uh, Wild Nutrition Podcast. And then my Facebook community, if you want to join that, that's called Peak Weight Loss Secrets. So you can jump in there. I do lives multiple times a week, free guides in there and different stuff that I talked about today. That's all going to be in that community. Awesome. Guys, I'll put all those links down into the show notes. Just go check those out. Again, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing underscore chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.